Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about a shambolic football club. And we've done it. We've made it 23 rounds in of this diabolical, painful season. We've delivered one episode a week and this is the final one. Who's jumped on board tonight? The A-team's here today, myself, Laura, and Maddie is back. I'm back in, uh, not in a, uh, no, I can't see him in the video, or the, the listeners can't see that either, but uh, hopefully coming at you a little bit clearer as well. I got the uh, upgraded uh, headset and microphone here, so we're rolling with new technology. Uh, a bit like the Bombers, out with the old, in with the new, although it's, uh, it's a bit of a messy situation with that process, which I look forward to. Uh, jumping into. So you would have thought that as Bombers supporters, there probably wouldn't have been many likes to come out of this weekend. However... You'd be correct. Matthew finds something to play with, as always, listeners. Uh, But I have one for you. And it didn't happen in our game. It happened in the second last game of the round. When Carlton, who started nine and three, and we're going to march all the way to the flag, lost to Collingwood by a point, and thus missed out on finals. Could there be a better end to a shambolic season than having Carlton miss out on the finals by one point? One point and point one of a percent. Oh, even better. So good. But you know what was even better about it? is they actually didn't even have to win the game. Like, they didn't even have to win the game. They just had to stop Collingwood from kicking too many points, and they couldn't even do that. Like, 0.1 of a percent and a one-point loss, gosh, it was the only it was the only thing positive about this weekend of football, wasn't it? It was absolutely magnificent. How, how do you think that actually compares to the 1999 prelim loss. Do you think that this will go down in Carlton history as 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 bad a day as that was for Essendon supporters? I, I don't think so because I don't, um, from all expectations on them at the start of the season, I don't think they were um, predicted to make finals anyway. So I don't think so. I think it does because you reckon when you're nine and three and you need thirteen wins to make finals and you don't manage to win four games in the back half of the season. Well, you don't I deserve th- to make finals if that's the case. I think it's as bad as that. I if Essendon started nine and three and we missed finals, I would be angrier than I am now. Do you know yeah. Okay. Do you think, though, like we're being a bit awful? Like no. just we're, we're taking so much pleasure in other people's pain. But the AFL's been doing that to us for years. Every Richmond supporter I know, Brenton, every Carlton supporter <laughs> I know, every Collingwood supporter I know, every St Kilda supporter I know, every Geelong supporter I know, every Sydney supporter I know, every Gold Coast, GWS, North Melbourne, Melbourne, every single, every single one of them. Are you just naming every single team? I'm just I'm just remembering 
recalling in my memory the individual supporters who have given me a hard time about the drug saga or our performances or James Hurd or every single one. Yeah, and okay, you know I'm actually what? not feeling that bad at all. I will revel in this and I will enjoy it because what other joy do we have as Essendon supporters from the last 18 years but other teams' pain? Literally none. But can can I just say, I'm so disappointed to be an Essendon supporter right now. Like, I was – so many things. This week has been just emotional turmoil from last Monday – to then Michael Hurley announcing his retirement, to then the weekend getting completely just blown away to the treatment of Ben Rutten. Like, whether or not he performed as senior coach and delivered on what he was supposed to, like, it's evident that he obviously hasn't met their expectations. But the way that he has been treated in the past week from a human point of view actually just devastates me. Like, I don't care if it's a big business, if it's the AFL, whatever. He deserves so much more respect than what was delivered to him by someone coming in, trying to be the big hero and get Alistair Clarkson on day one. Um, He just, it broke my heart to see him after the game in tears with his family. Just the disrespect that he was shown. Mm. I'm mad about it. Matthew, how does this week compare to your experiences of the lowest point of Essendon Football Club history? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I was thinking about this at, at dinner before, and I'll, I'll just answer the other question as well. I think uh, missing out of a grand final by a point is a lot better than uh, missing the final by a point, so I don't think it's that dark. Uh, but uh, to, to Laura's point as well, uh, there's a lot of positives that Carmel will take out of the season. Anyway, um, it's funny. We started this podcast, uh, uh, I believe it was the day or perhaps a couple of days after uh, Mr. Joe Danaher, uh, Adam Saad. Was there one other that uh, requested Fantasia? to leave? Fantasia. Uh, requested How could to you leave. forget your dad's favourite player? Uh, look, he's got a lot of favourites, that man. <laughs> um, and, and we started this podcast uh, that day and we said this is uh, up there with uh, the darkness of the uh, drug saga. Uh, I reckon we are back up there again, maybe if not higher than the I didn't three think that was a dark day. I was happy when, when Joe left and I was mad when Saad left, but I didn't feel like it was a dark day. I was kind of like, if you want out, you can F off. No, Sorry to interrupt. Was- Continue. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So this is up there. If it's, I actually think we are on the verge because with the whole drug saga and and everything, we didn't. uh, Well, from memory, we didn't totally bottom out, right? Like we, we, there was never really a case of members. I don't think it declined. Uh, We did seem to band together from a, a playing group perspective. You know, it was sort of like, okay, it's happened move forward, rebuild, uh, I think we are on the verge of uh, some absolute... Mis- like, if we thought this year was bad, I, I think it's a good chance this could get even... This could get even worse. I, I am with you on that. I think my sources indicate that the players are very 
very, very unhappy. Um, to the point where I would not be surprised to see some contracted players request trades. So this is my question about this, right? Because it came out during the week that the players were really unhappy with the new president and they were really backing truck in. So at what point did they not consider that this could end badly if they were continue if they were to continue with their decision or apparently had not made the decision until yesterday to sack him? Because I, I think I really think this has the potential to be a huge disaster. And I agree. I feel like players are going to be requesting trades. I I think, I don't know. I see a, frac- a massively fractured club. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I are we even going to bother talking about the Richmond game? What's to talk about? Well, I'd like to have um, a quick chat and acknowledge. Uh, Wait, let's come back to the Richmond game. Do you want to talk about it now? We'll come back to it. Laura just loving the interruption there, just going bang when you're mid-sentence, just absolutely firing away as she pleases. So, uh... Uh, In terms of the performance, there's not really much to discuss because obviously we're going to have a new coaching group um, and a new game plan and whatever. So, look, it was shit. Like three quarters of maybe even more, maybe four-fifths of the rest of the season. Um, I just want to acknowledge... Michael Hurley and his retirement and the effort that he went through over two years to make it back to play a game of football. Um, I think he, like Hooker, like Heppel, like all the other players that stayed so loyal to us through uh, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16 and beyond, they did not get the stability and the careers that ultimately they deserved. Um, they were great servants of the football club, really great people, and the club let them down very badly. And even now, at the twilight of their careers, um, it's letting them down again. What's that old joke? I'm going to invite Essendon to my funeral so they can let me down one last time. Um, but that's what I feel like this club has done for that generation of players who I have no doubt in my mind had they had a stable club, no drug saga, and ability to, to galvanise and play as a group, they would have been, if not a premiership winning team, they would have had some form of team success, getting to prelims, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they, that whole group deserved better. They deserved better careers. They deserved much better than they got. And the football club needs to change and it needs to move forward from here. I um I think back to that interview that Michael Hurley did. Was it in 2016, end of 2016, when he had his huge beard and he just looked so broken by the club? I think it was on the footy show. And he just looked so broken and you knew all year there was talk about is Hurley going to stay or is Hurley going to go? And in the end, he committed to the club. Yeah. And and I just feel they've really let all a lot of or most of those guys stayed loyal to the club. Um, aside from who was it? Melksham, Hibbard, Paddy Ryder. There was a few that Melksham left, went but before. You don't... Oh yeah, yeah, he did too. Um, and you don't you don't blame them for leaving, but those guys that stayed loyal to the club 
have really been, their careers have essentially been wasted because there's been no rebuild, there's been no, um, nothing has been repaid to them, no faith in the same way that they they stuck with the club. And the other thing that I'm really upset about is it was a huge thing for Michael Hurley to come back and play that game. And last week there was no space for any of that to be acknowledged or for him to be celebrated because we were in this whole shit show of what's happening with the board and what's happening with the coaches. And I feel that's really disappointing for him. Mm, mm. Yeah, I agree. In, in fairness, he wasn't announced as a player uh, un, until Thursday. So um, They spoke huh. about it on Monday on Footy Classified. They knew he was retiring and they knew he was playing. Well, I think you just put uh, two and two together there, but uh, I don't think he was actually announced as he's going to be playing this weekend officially until Thursday. But mm. um, I, I, oh, he might have. Did he? Did he announce the retirement earlier in the week? No, no, not until they announced he was playing Thursday. Yeah. Oh no, maybe maybe it was Wednesday. He announced his retirement. Well, there you go. Mm. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, on the on the topic. Uh, Jesus, uh, and he brought a tear to the eye to see him uh, kick that last goal. And you know nearly, what? I had tears. There you was not, no nearly about it. I hate Richmond with a passion. But the way that they allowed him, they were lining up and he was on a tight angle and Tarrant was on the mark. And I don't know which players it was, it was, but they said, no, no one get within five metres. Everyone stay out. So if he wants mm. to run around and have a snap, let him have a snap. And then they congratulated him after the game. So that was that was real class from, from Richmond, as much as I hate them, um, to allow that to happen. I often think that um, in... In games like that where the result doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera, like it, it's just nice to see players looking after each other. Like I would have, I often imagine like if I was an opponent and someone had a big game, I'd probably just give away a dodgy free kick and then a 50 meter um, just to allow them to kick a goal. And Richmond essentially did that. They pretty much did on, that. On, yeah. um, on Saturday night. So mm. I'm yeah. just, I wish they were, it was a better game. I wish they were in it. I wish he had a few more touches. Like he just looked, he looked like someone that hadn't played the game for two years. Um, would have been, yeah. I wish he had a blinder, but mm. I know that that's not possible with what had been happening. Yeah. So, and look, it was just more of the same. Matthew Lloyd made a really good point on the Sunday footy show that we were making the same mistakes on Saturday night that we did in round one against Geelong. And if you consider from a holistic point of view that Rutten has been at the football club since 2019 or 2018 to 19 preseason, and his job was to implement team defence, and our defence has consistently gotten worse through that entire period, I don't necessarily think that sacking him was the wrong decision um, mm. from a pure footballing or the way teams is playing point of view. But the way it was handled was just disgraceful. And once again, it shows the club is fractured. They're not communicating with the players because the players clearly love him and clearly want him to stay. They're not communicating with the football department. They're just doing things that they think. And, and this is what concerns me about the president's communication. He says, I'm doing what I think is the best for the football club. It doesn't matter what you think, mate. 
you're a football club, you're a team. Everyone has to decide together what is right for the football club. That's how clubs and teams work. They all decide on a vision together. You as a president don't get to decide that fucking vision. And, and not when and, you've just come in. Literally, on the day you've come in, you've let your, I feel, let your ego take over because you want to be the saviour. And, like, I agree... I agree with the fact that, like, the performances don't support Rutten staying in the coaching role. However, there's actually nobody else out there. Like, I feel a smarter decision would have been to let him do the preseason to see what the performances are in the start of next year, sack him mid-year and actually do a proper process because it looks now like they're just scrambling and they're going to end up in the same situation. What do you think, Maddie? I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, and then I'm going to do the other as well. I, I, I'd... The AFL is a you know it's a hundred million dollar industry. Uh, it's very very difficult to justify uh, having your head coach with a significant amount of training wheels on. And I think that's – I've got no doubt, Ben Rutten, when he gets a second chance, he'll go back and be an assistant coach somewhere. Maybe it is at Richmond, uh, you know, and he'll come back a, a better coach and be a head coach somewhere else and do a fantastic job. So, yeah, Voss style. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, but probably even better than that. Um What – Truck, the, the fact that Truck, so sorry, from a footballing perspective, I think the decision to let him go makes, I think it's justifiable. Um, mm-hmm. But on, on the flip side of that, giving someone only two years in which one of them we did make the finals, uh, that would also be a fair justification to let him stay on. Mm-hmm. Where I would uh, say no. So it's sort of 1-1, one, one, does he stay, does he go? The fact that he has so much of the player support, so much, uh, we are not... The, the playing group, prior to this decision, the playing group was not fractured. Okay, we didn't. We weren't hearing of, you know, riffs and people, this guy doesn't like this guy and the egos are flying around and uh, people won't talk to the coach, despite what... Uh, maybe uh, you know was shown there of Nick Hind uh, at the at the initial point I was probably more upset at Nick Hind than at Truck, but the rhetoric was that he'd lost the players. I don't think that's the case. I think the uh, their response uh, shows that that's not the case. But as a coach, if if when you have the trust of your players, uh, that shows something very significant, and that's probably the hardest thing to do in coaching is to win their trust over. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a lot here with the Clarkson situation. I, I do agree with Barham. He, it, 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 it is his duty uh, to go and talk to Clarkson, the best modern, the, mo- the best coach of the modern era of the last twenty years. Um, the way it was executed, no, that wasn't great. I uh, should have consulted with Rutten more. Um, and we shouldn't have left it to the last minute, but that's also a case of the president's changing over, etc. 
Um, but he also did come out and apologize for that. So mistakes happen. We're all human, blah, blah, blah. Um, where I think this hurts us now is the fact that there's not a lot available. So we may settle for someone who's not exactly ideal, but we just based on the fact we have to get another coach, uh, you know, could turn into a bit of a Carlton situation with their Bolton, Teague, Malthouse, those sort of errors. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you've got a really big division between playing group, uh, football department. There might be some more rifts in between there with assistant coaches and football managers, etc. cetera, uh, and uh, the other departments of the football club, president, CEO, who knows if Xavier Campbell stays on and, and, and actually if he is worth staying on, the review as well. So there's a lot going on at that football club uh, and it's not exactly, you know, I mean, our previous captain, Joe Watson, came on and, and said that on national TV. This club is in all sorts. That's your uh, most recent champion of the club, uh, you know, is, is publicly uh, ousting you. We're in a lot of trouble in that regard. There, there, there are divisions now um, because of this and the way it's been handled. So that's and, what I'm worried about. My concern is this, that Rutten was actually... I've done a lot of leadership training. I've done a lot of coaching training, done a lot of culture training. And I am 100% certain that Rutten was enacting culture change within that playing group. Yep. Whether that got further up the tree, who knows? But he was absolutely enacting culture change there. And the culture that he was creating was a positive one that would have bred success. Does he does he have the nous at this point in time to be a really successful senior coach? Evidence would suggest no. That doesn't mean he can't gain that knowledge and, and can't one day, as I've said in previous weeks. He could very well be a great AFL coach one day. There's no question about that. The fact that Essendon didn't have the patience for that will probably end up biting them. Um, But that culture change needs to happen at the top of the club. And Rowan Connolly certainly believes that um, the new president is enacting that with the external review and is having a big step towards that. But, geez, he hasn't started well. Um, Not from a PR point of view and not from an engagement with the members point of view. Remember how excited we were when Brasher took over and Mm. the way he communicated and and the way he spoke really strongly? Yeah, he may not have done much behind the scenes and maybe he was part of the problem, right? But Jeezy, his PR was much better, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, Mm. I already hate this guy. I don't even know him and I already hate him. But is is, so that I think that's the thing about, I I don't know a lot about David Barham. But I'd rather a person who goes out and, look, he's doing everything we've asked. We've asked for an external review. We're sitting on this yep. podcast saying we've got to do an external review. He has come out and said, uh, all right, we're doing it. Yep. Performances have been down. You said it yourself, Nick, that the stuff we were doing in round 23 is the same stuff uh, or failing Agreed. to do we were doing in round one. So performances haven't improved or haven't Agreed. improved significantly. Uh, they've, gone, they've gone backwards this year. No yeah. question. We are worse than we were at the end of last year. And we don't. And we've said we don't want to be a club that accepts accepts mediocrity. Uh, okay, well, something's got to happen. And he's just come in and done it. Now, the, the way it's been no, marketed but- and, and, and PR, has it been great? No. But in in fairness to Barham, he's doing the things that a lot of fans and a lot of supporters have been asking for. Do I think it was Correct. the right decision to get rid of Rutten now? No, I would have given him another chance. I would have got more support around him. 
I think that's where the solution was. Uh, but my, my he's question, gone and done what he's done. Yep. My question, Maddie, though, is like if you've come in and said there's going to be an external review, then why not wait until you've done the external review to make such a drastic decision about the coach? Like because... why is he automatically out when do the review first and then make the decisions? Don't come in on day one, start throwing your weight around when you've actually not proved yourself. In my nah, opinion, you you can't do the external review first because it's too late. And this it's was already Brush's too fault. late. No, no, this was Brush's fault. They should have done the external review in June, whenever they started the internal review, and then they could have gotten to this point and decided yes, Rutten is the man, or no, he's not. So now, because they're calling the external review, which is going to take four to six weeks minimum to get done, and then six weeks from now we're into the trade period, and you can't then attempt to sign a new coach and do due diligence because then preseason starts. So, But it's the... already too late. Who's there? GWS just signed their new coach today. North Melbourne signed their coach last week. There's literally and, nobody. And we're the only other team looking for a coach. And that means that Uze, who was real, was expected to go to GWS, is on the market. Uh, Ken but he's an, is... he's an inexperienced coach as well, though, Uze. Yeah, Kenny Hinckley is still, there's question marks about whether he'll be at Port next year. There's previous senior coaches on in assistant roles. There's Don Pike, there's Mark Williams. You know, there there are coaches there um, out in the wilderness that have experience that are looking for our first or second chance. I agree that if we're going for an untried coach, why didn't we just keep Rutten and then give him more resources around him, maybe as I've been calling for a while, a senior assistant, to then get him moving forward. But the timing is that you have to start looking for a new coach now. And they've got to be in place by the time the grand final wraps up. Because then if you don't, next season is is gone. It's done. Mm. Yep. I, I, I just, uh, I fear, because we come out and said we want, a, we want an experienced senior coach, um, I fear we risk uh, picking up another John Worsfold. Mm. You know, he, he look, he came in to do a job which was to steady the club. Uh, but I don't think, and maybe at the time we thought he was, but uh, realistically, he was probably never coming in to be our next premiership coach. Mm. Um, I thought Truck probably had more of that ambition about given you know he hadn't been there and done that this was it for him um but uh yeah i i just wonder now if we we end up picking up someone who is genuinely invested to building something or rebuilding uh the club or just someone who uh fits the bill wants another job uh head coach you know what i mean it's just another so so let me ask you about let me ask you about don pike um, because when he was at Adelaide, they played some pretty magnificent football um, and made the grand final. Was but he actually... coaching when that stuff happened? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember why he got the the boot. No, uh, I think it was off the back of that. Yeah, okay. Well, and they also, uh, I mean, they, they, they certainly after the 2017 grand final uh, capitulated, but that does also uh, as a result after of that, 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 that yeah. camp. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think... The, the optic of that one doesn't sit well with me, given the only other club in the AFL at the moment with significant sort of cultural stories around it. 
uh, is Adelaide at the moment. And this guy was coaching uh, when all that stuff was occurring. So mm. uh, don't know if I, that one sits great with me at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure. And look, he doesn't he doesn't inspire a lot of excitement in me, but he seems to be the most experienced, um, highest credentialed coach available. Apart from the only other one I can think of um, who's still in the system is Choco Williams, um, and then obviously there's Ross Lyon. But none of those three, I would probably be leaning towards Choco Williams. But is he able to coach again? Like, how do we know? Um, you know, he's 64. He obviously won a premiership at, at um, Port Adelaide. But is he the one to go with? I'm not sure. I, I don't think he is. Uh, again, I, I think he's he's more your senior assistant type. I, I don't know if he'd be one that would want to be in that uh, head coaching position. Um, oh, look, you don't know if you want to speak to him, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't see him as being uh, a next senior coach. So the so what looms large, as always in discussion with Essendon, <laughs> is the spectre of Sir James Hurd. Yeah, I was going to ask what your guys' opinions are on this. Because... Do you want to go first, Maddie, And then I'll I'll run through with mine. On on James Hurd, Sir James Hurd, yes. Uh, I don't have much of an opinion on it. I I, I think it's as much as uh, like I do joke about it and bring back Hurd, but uh, it, it could never happen. Um, I think if we divided now, that would only divide us more because the people that sit in certain parts of the camp and go, uh, you know, bring him back, and the other people go that love James, but uh, there is just no way he can come back and and, mm. and coach Essendon. So. Um, I think it's a real simple one. I, I just don't think, yeah, as much as it kills me, as much as you'd love him back, if look, maybe oh, I, I can't see him being an assistant coach. Um, yeah, I mean, he'd be great in sort of a, a market, marketing, you know, as a bit of a face of a brand sort of thing and that sort of thing, like what Sheedy was doing prior to going on the board. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't think I see him. Uh, in the coach's box again for us, and then at least at this point in time. I can I before because I feel like you'll have a strong opinion, Nicholas. So I'm going to say I agree with Matthew more than anyone asked. But I um I was saying last week like bring back James Hurd as much as I love James Hurd and you know, one day want to see him have success as coach of Essendon. I think it would be a massive mistake to to bring him back just now. Um, I think. Firstly, they've just said they want an experienced coach and I don't feel like he fits the bill as much of a football genius here as he is. Um, I also think, yeah, I agree it will be massively divisive and I think it would have the opposite effect of what we're all looking for. I will say only, well, get your popcorn out. Clear out your ears. It's time for a TED Talk. Um, so, me as the Essendon fan, and as someone who's still angry about the way the AFL handled the drug saga, I would love nothing more to, than to have James Hurd back as the coach. Um, 
from an optics point of view, or for, no, the the realist or the the sensible person in me, the is very one? small, the very small part of me that is sensible, would say I I'm not opposed to James Heard coming back as long as he goes through the same process that every other applicant is expected to go through. And if they get to the end of that process and they say, you know what? He actually is the right man for the job. Then I'm happy for him to coach. And in fact, I would welcome him as coach. But if they go through the same process that they've done previously from our last four or five coaching appointments, which is no process, then I have... Um, I do not want him coaching the football club. And I don't want McVeigh coaching the football club. And I don't want Solomon coaching the football club. We need a proper process. And from watching the press conference today, yesterday's press conference, it sounds like that's what the club is doing. They're going through a proper process. They need to first identify the aspects they want in a coach and then going through an interview, etc. process to find that coach. I agree. I'm so mad about everything that's happened this week that if they literally take the piss and, I don't know, am I allowed to say that? Sorry. Um, and don't go through a proper process and, and genuinely appoint the best person for the job, that'll make me even more angry. Mm. Mm. So I'm not, but I'm just, like we were saying just before, I'm just not sure who of the obvious candidates that, and when I say obvious candidates, they're the ones that we can name, who would we get inspired by? I actually don't have anyone. There's no apart, one. Apart from James Heard. I don't know that Mark McVeigh is ready for a senior coaching role. I, I didn't see anything at GWS that excited me all that much. Um, and again, he's an untried coach. He's not an experienced coach. And I don't know, I actually genuinely don't know anything about Dean Solomon as a coach. I know plenty about him as a player, but nothing as a coach. Mm, I would like, the the tragic in me would love one of those Essendon guys to come back and coach, but yeah, they don't have the runs on the board. Well, McVeigh, Solomon and Hurd, uh, or at least the first, well, well, all three of them, the early talk is that they won't be Sticking on at GWS. Mm. Uh, like I said, I don't know how James would go in an assistant coaching role. Um, but could getting two Essendonians, two guys who, yeah, two guys who really just bleed the club, understand the culture, understand um, who, what it was prior to, you know, our demise. Um, would it be worth considering? Well, not just the head guy, but also the the pieces around that guy, uh, with with a McVeigh and a Solomon. I provided they, uh, you know, work and and see things the same way as the senior coach. Yeah, I as long as they fulfil the process, I think um, getting some of that pride back is, and it worked in. You know, before the drug saga, it actually worked. We saw a United Essendon. We saw a team playing for the jumper. We saw um, United players getting around James Hood. They loved playing for him at the time. So I I want some of that magic back again. Whether that's James Hood, whether that's Solomon, whether that's Bay, whether that's all three. Whoever's going to bring that, I, I want it. Um, but is that the right direction for the football club? 
I don't know. Mm. Do you know what I feel? Mm. What a sliding doors moment appointing Matthew Knight in the senior coaching role when we could have had Damien Hardwick. I thought it was a mistake at the time and I now feel like I've, it's been proven. It was absolutely a mistake at the time, getting Hardwick. The only time Not it did, getting Hardwick, you mean? Uh, yeah. And the only time it hasn't felt like a mistake is when they announced James Hurd on that day in yeah. what? Yeah, I agree. And we're like, oh, cool. We had Matthew Knights for a while, but now we're okay again. Mm. Now we've got James Hurd. Um, but I don't think... Um, yeah, I think that has... That appointment has set our... And the on-flowing effects has set our football back football club back, you know, 15, 20 years. I'd actually disagree with that. Uh, I think, well, Damien Hardwick only became a coaching extraordinaire uh, from 2017 onwards. Prior to that, uh, they were very, very average Richmond. Uh, and they actually only turned around once uh, people, in, you know, the higher level, the executives uh, change, leadership of the actual club change, blah, blah, blah. Um so, he was in Ratton's position back then, effectively. Uh, the same position, you could say, and they but, stuck by him and changed the management and changed higher up where clearly decisions were maybe not right. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if we had have taken, and this is, you know, really aside from the, the point of today's uh, discussion, but... Um, if Damien Hardwick had, have, if we had to pick Damien Hardwick instead of Matthew Knights, I still think they, they they probably would have been both on the same trajectory because the issues might lie at a football department, but I think there are a lot of deep rooted issues in management of the club and leadership of the club, uh, and that it would be very hard for any coach, uh, let alone an emerging one, to have success. Um, having said that, um, the whole time Xavier Campbell's been on. Uh, as a CEO, the, the football department appointments he has made, they very rarely uh, have been successful ones. Mm. Um, so, Well, they haven't. None of them have been successful. Yeah, so it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B there. But um, point being, um, I think issues lie deeper than a football department uh, and, and perhaps whoever's heading that up. Um, but it could also lie to management, uh, leadership level as well. Um, and that's yeah. why um, the new president bringing in um, the external review, bringing in processes is potentially the change that we need. It's Well, it's certainly the change that we need. Um, but it has to be more than lip service. It has to create change. It has to really have an external view on what's going on at the football club, what's gone wrong for 20 years and what we can do about it. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, well yeah, uh, that's, that's the whole point of a review, but also uh, not, not even just a what's gone wrong. It, it can be just a, this is what the other clubs are doing. This is what you're not doing. Um, but uh, yeah, no regards. It's got to be action, but that, that is something I'll, I'll give. Barham credit for. He's certainly come in and taken action. Now, like we said, it's maybe not the uh, most visually appealing and the and the, and the best uh, – uh, hasn't probably sat well in terms of a news story. Uh, but he's come in and, and 
made actually he said no we're doing the review I'm, I'm going to speak to you know the the best available coaches um and you know we're putting in processes for a coaching recruitment process um things we haven't had for a while so mm. might be ugly you know but, I, but it might be mm, what we need yeah i really feel for zach Merritt as well in all of this like he was on AFL 360 last week and he just looked so dejected. Remember how much black he copped last year for taking so long to commit and they obviously sold him a dream that 12 months later, like he's he's signed a long-term contract and 12 months later, if I was him, I'd be having very, very deep regret. You know, I do feel sorry for him, but you know who else I feel sorry for? Me, you, and the other 85,000-odd members that have sat through 20 years of mediocrity and bad decision after bad decision and ego after ego after ego, uh, turning this football club from a powerhouse to a laughing stock of the AFL. And mm. you know what? I'm at the point, and I, and I said this two years ago, they need to be clear on their vision. And anyone who doesn't align with that vision, I think they should give them a golden ticket and say, this is your chance. You can come with us or you can leave. And anyone, doesn't matter who it is, let them leave with good faith because frankly, the football club doesn't deserve to hold people to their contracts given the shit show that it's been. So mm. let the, if that's like merit, if that's whoever, whoever wants to go, let them go, get as much value as you can for them and rebuild from the bottom up. Um, because... Certainly those players don't owe the club anything because the club has not done right by them and they haven't for a long time. Um, and I think if we do get the reset that this club needs, then it could be good times ahead. But it's we're in the mire at the moment and it's very difficult to see past the shitstorm that we're stuck in. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, uh, to, to your point, Nick, as well, um, and this probably undermines my point as well. Uh, talking about players and, and how upset they are that the club has, has done, uh, or quote unquote, the wrong thing by truck, according to them. Uh, they had 23 opportunities mm, uh, to, to go out and, and, and <laughs> you know, um, do better for him as well with their performance. Agree. Uh, you know, so I think this comes back to something that we've spoken about a lot, Nick, you and I on this pod many times about I don't think players go out there to do a bad job. No, of course I think they don't. that there's a system somewhere that's letting them down. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this analogy, right? We're gonna talk about my clinic for a minute. We never talk about your clinic on this pod. We never talk about my clinic on this pod. We go but to the Don Father Consulting. The, the Don Father Consulting. So, like, I've had a challenge over the last six months of trying to grow the list of my two young practitioners, right? Now, if I'm saying to them, this is what you need to do, but I'm not actually going out there and showing them the way in which to do it and leading them to do it, then how can I expect that they know what to do? 
So you can say that, oh, they, they need to put in more effort. But if there's, um, as um, Joe Watson was saying, a mess in the board and no department's talking to another department, I don't understand how that can't not translate to an on-field performance. Mm-hmm. If there's a shambles, how can it not translate? You know, I take responsibility for what happened, like, over the last 12 months where, you know, I went through a partnership split, so I was not capable of marketing in the way that I should. And so I can't sit there and go, these guys aren't performing. It's because I didn't do what I needed to do six months ago because I was not capable mentally, physically, emotionally, and time-wise because I was seeing all of these patients. So there's a lag. So I can't sit there and say to them, you're not seeing enough patients if I haven't done enough of what I needed to do to help them achieve that. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like they know how to be practitioners, but I still have to guide them in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I can't hire someone straight out of uni and expect them to know how to manage a patient the way that I manage a patient with a master's degree and 14 years experience. Mm. So they might be good at connecting with people. They might be good at knowing how to assess, but putting all the pieces together, unless there's, guidance and cohesion they're not going to be able to do it no i agree but but let me ask you something laura let's say you've got the grad would you expect Mm. them to be better in week 20 than they are in week one if if i have done what i needed to do appropriately so we've spoken a lot about one of my practitioners that has been really underperforming and I, as Jeez, a leader, be careful. You're going on public, uh, on a public forum here. I'm, I know I'm going to, they don't listen to this pod. Um, well, not yet. But also I've been honest about performance with them. But what I'm about to say is I've sat there and said to them, I need to take responsibility for this because I didn't set expectations early enough and I didn't show you what you needed to do early enough. And it's up to me as a leader to then have people leading me like my business coaches and like the business academy to then help me grow as a leader so that I can be better for them. But if you're coming in with a growth mindset and some humility to know that you need help to be better, that's very different to charging in like other people I've worked with before that just think, well, I'm the boss, I'm in charge, you need to do what I say. No, that's, like, that's... and I'm, I know we're talking about a like teeny tiny little business versus like a multi billion dollar industry, but I'm just saying like there's there's comparisons there, right? Like as a leader, you have to show your young people what you expect of them, and you have to teach them how to be able to deliver the results that you want. But if each department is not firstly infighting within themselves and then not working well with all the other departments, then how can you expect good on-field results? I agree. I agree. Um, But the football department is in some ways self-contained. They are there. They have all the coaching staff. They have all the resources. So, yes, there may not be a connection between the top and the bottom, but that in part is... Ben Rutten's job, which is shielding the group from that. And he may have been doing that for, for a very long time. Um, but it, I, I think 
it is a good comparison, but it's not a perfect comparison because I think their performance really as professionals has to come down to them as well. And I'd also ask you, Laura, um, let's say uh, you as a business owner, you hire Nick uh, to train 10 graduates. Uh, mm. and, and from week one to week 20 uh, of all those graduates, there is very little improvement in performance across the board. Uh, who's liable for that? Depends. Did, did I set clear KPIs to Nick? Did I tell him exactly what I wanted and did I tell him what I want to deliver and by when in Let's order for to be successful? Let's say you did. Okay. Then is he able to impart that knowledge to them appropriately? Well, let's say he can't. So does he keep well, his job? Do you keep his job? Then no. But am I having well, a conversation? With, am I having a conversation with him about it before he sees it advertised on Seek and giving him an opportunity to improve? Well, I, that that would come back to our uh, our uh, that's our whole point of this, the start of the thing. The, the way it was executed was poor, and I tend to agree. I would give truck more time. Um, but at the end of the day, <laughs> the performance, the clinic suffering because you had however many people on the on the ground floor, uh, which in your case is graduate physios and in, or physios, and uh, in the case of the Essen Football Club, it's football players uh, significantly underperforming, which is halting their growth. Is uh, not bringing the club forward, and, and like fundamentally, you're not doing the foundational. Uh, service that your business was born to provide. Uh, in, in the case of SM Football Club, you're not playing good footy. You're not trying to win premiership or you're not uh, taking steps forward to winning a premiership. So um, I think we've got, <laughs> we've got a long way from the topic there, but at the end of the day, someone's got to be held uh, liable and, and, and that's a bit, you know, Truck was there, the man in the middle. I thought he should be given more time, but in the day, the, the performance didn't come and, uh, the business wasn't rolling how it was supposed to. According I think to we leadership. all agree. I think I think we can all agree that we think that he deserved more time, um, and we're unhappy with that decision, uh, particularly given the way he handled himself under the pressure of the week. I I was more confident by Saturday that he was the man for the job mm. than I was on Tuesday. Yep, um, that's fair. And. I'm really disappointed with how it ended and I would have preferred at this point that we would have kept him. Um, but the decision's been made and I think for me, frankly, as long as the due process is followed and they can get the players on board, we have to move forward now. And I think the words that we've heard over and over again, if, if David Barham is the man to take this club forward, he seems to be talking about the right things, about external reviews, processes, uh, coach selection processes, all those things. And look, if he does that, great. We might see some success in the not-too-distant future. But as football, as Essendon fans, we've heard this before. And um, I'm, I'm very much of the wait and see now rather than getting excited. For what's coming forward? Mm, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not fulfilled with. Op- I'm not filled with optimism. 
Mm, neither am I. Neither am I. Um, but we've been uh, we've been waffling on for close to an hour here. Let's. Um, I just want to finish up. You know this season of football and this season of the Don Father, and I just want to acknowledge um, some of the players and people that won't be coming back next year. Um, not on the pod, uh, but Devin Smith, his retirement recently. Um, you know, I think that first year that we had him, we had a really incredible footballer, exactly the type of player that you want young players to emulate. And I think his body really let him down in the last couple of years at Essendon, but certainly that first season in particular, um, a deserving winner of the Crichton medal. And really I couldn't have been prouder to have him wear such an important number for the football club. And what typifies, I think Devin Smith as a person and a footballer is that game against Hawthorne this year, when he had just been ruled out for a number of weeks to do a preseason and he gets called up and he plays and plays very well in what ultimately was his last game um, to help us get a win when the team needed him the most. Um, proud Essendon man forever, Devin Smith. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Can play. Or could play, yes. yes. I'm really, I'm sad that he had to retire because his body let him down. Mm. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, what can you say about perhaps the best Aboriginal player um, indigenous, are you allowed to say Aboriginal anymore? That's probably very offensive. The best Indigenous player, certainly of the last decade, um, and certainly since Alwyn Davey to wear the Essendon jumper, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. What a great story for him to come from where he came from, um, you know, living in poverty in the Tiwi Islands to making himself an AFL footballer, the work he had to do to get on the list, the work that he had to do to stay on the list. Um, I don't think you can describe in words the impact that, that that young man has had on the football club and football fans in general. I actually am getting teary listening to this because he just was, yeah, his story is amazing and the work that he put in to actually even be selected to not like, you know, not even being able to read or write. English wasn't his first language either. Like he's just worked so, so hard to get to where he was. And he's so, he comes across as so grateful for every opportunity that he has been given. And it's really sad that he, for whatever reason, we don't really know, retired and didn't really I won't say didn't reach his full potential, but didn't have the length of career that he could otherwise have had. Mm. Do, do you have him, uh, you reckon he was better than Michael Long? No, no, no. Um, I think he's our best Indigenous player, certainly since Elwyn Davey, and I think he will go down as in the group um, equal with Michael Long. Like, I think he would comfortably sit beside Michael Long. Um, obviously didn't didn't win the accolades that Michael Long did, but I think he will be remembered as fondly and as having as big an impact as Michael Long. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. And I just loved seeing how much the players loved him, like Sammy Draper, um, even back when Joe Danaher was there, like how much they used to just get around him and just celebrate him so much. Like I just loved seeing that. Mm, two, uh, sorry, you go. No, 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 I was, I was just going to say two uh, uh, good, great servants of the club. Gone, Hurley gone. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a new wave. So, so let's spend the last couple minutes just really quickly talking about where, what we need to do, where we need to go from here. Um, as a playing list, as a club, uh, if you if you're the boss, if you're the president, what are you doing? What are you targeting in the next six months before we have to get back on the park? I think I think the club really needs a serious PR shot in the arm to get people excited about watching the Bombers play again. They're this is probably the lowest the football club has been in my memory. Um, I think it genuinely right now we are in a worse position than when the players got rubbed out at the start of 2016. From Do you know a, how you know that? Do you know how yeah. you know the club's in a bad position? Little Nicky. Up until probably three or four weeks ago, he was Mr. Optimism. Trust the process. It's going to happen. They're young. You just need to believe. Just be patient. The turnaround in his attitude, like listening to him at the station on Saturday night after the game, just that's how you know you're in a bad, bad, bad position. Like we're talking about a kid that was born in the year 2000, so has not seen one ounce of success with this football club and has just been so passionate. But on Saturday night, he was like ready to burn his membership, I reckon. He's been defeated. He has been defeated. He has been defeated. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Perhaps it's all one big uh, dark, you know what I mean? Like we thought we were out of the drug stuff. Maybe we never really got out of it. It's just sort of uh, like a dark cloud. Oh, not even a dark cloud, like an invisible cloud um, has just sort of lurked the whole time and still left its uh, almost like a fart. It's just just, <laughs> just just lingered around for a long time, you know what I mean? Let, let me – oh, will you continue and then I'll, I'll give you an image. Well, yeah, I, I, perhaps, you know, we thought – perhaps this is the big reset – button we need you know like we i have a question we, we got on with things one second we got on with things pretty quickly after the drug saga and tried to rebuild straight away maybe we didn't push reset uh, as hard as we need maybe we just did the uh you know the the shutdown rather than the complete uh wiping of the hard drive if you know what i mean mm, just I switched do. it on and off rather than the factory reset yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this and this is just a reflection of all that. But go on, that's yes, my question. question. Well, that was my question. Was like all of those people that were in charge, aside from like the coaches, were they still there at the club? Are they still there now? Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone left. Okay, 
was Brasher the last one? Yes. He's like, still so, on the board, I believe, though. Yeah, but he's of one of very few left. Like, that's what should have happened is they all should have gone. All of those decision makers should have gone. All of those people that probably knew that something was happening that shouldn't have been happening should have gone and we should have reset. But actually what happened was probably not that and it sort of got swept under the carpet a little bit. It was almost like a us versus the AFL situation and here we are 10 years later still dealing with the fallout. So, from this cloud, let me paint an image for you. Smoke, darkness. The more I think about this club and who can lead it out, all I get is that image the from 150th. the 150th celebration when James Heard comes out ready to lead the football club once again. I'm utterly convinced he's the only one. I actually forward. genuinely think this. Like, if they want members to sign on next year, they need something big like that. Like, the only way forward is either James Hurd or Kevin Sheedy. Like, an Essendon person coming out like the saviour that we need. Uh, Kevin Sheedy is, is a space cadet. He needs Kevin to... Sheedy would be like dad <laughs> coaching Essendon. Um, look, I... They they need some they need a big PR spin they need something to get members excited because I've never been less engaged and less excited and we have a nuffy podcast we spend our free time talking about football and talking about Essendon and putting it on the internet um, and we are I've never been less engaged and less excited about the football club so they've got a serious amount of work to do like the only reason I'm going to renew my membership next year is because my seats are good if we didn't have reserved seats I would not be renewing mm. Mm. I just don't want to lose the uh, the streak the year streak the you're the one that boldly claimed that you weren't renewing next year well I was angry um <laughs> I'll probably stick on. Um, well, that's the thing. Maybe I need to put my foot down and say, hey, I'm done. I'm done. And we need enough people to do that. But uh, I actually thought Sheedy was pretty funny during the week. I think a lot of people missed the uh, the sledge of him saying, uh, Clarko will take North Melbourne down to Tasmania. I, you know, I had a chuckle. I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, Nick, you asked, what if you were the president, if you were in the driver's seat, what would you be doing? Uh, I, I actually, you know, we're talking about PR and that sort of thing. Um, I think this might be unwise of me, but uh, maybe PR can prioritise action and let that do the talking rather than trying to be, you know, dis, uh, disingenuous. Is that the word or ingenuine? Disingenuous, yeah. Is that to say you're, you're not being genuine? That's right. Yeah. Uh, go on. Do some work, uh, but um, I, I think Barham needs to get on the phone to Dyson Apple and get the hell on his page and, and, and not try and walk over people. Uh, I don't think that'll get the answers. There's not one person who can save this club. It'll, it will be a coming-together effort, but he does need to, to, to do what he can to get back on board with the playing group. Um, I think, yeah, going through a process with the coaching Think what I, I, I 
I've just got this feeling that if you go with a quote-unquote experienced senior coach, um, again, you might get someone who's trying to is coming in to do a job rather than actually, you know, establish their career, so to speak. Maybe mm-hmm. um, I don't mind the idea of a of a younger coach, but with the right support, with an actual senior assistant in place to show them the ropes. And then as well yep. with an assistant coach like a McVeigh, like a Solomon, who does have that tinge of Essendon about them, but at the same time is also trying to establish a genuine coaching career themselves and you know have a very vested in not to say that any assistant coach wouldn't, but um, have a look at that model as well in terms of getting some Essendon. Although you do have Carousella there already. Uh, maybe that, that point's benign. Uh, but emphasis on what you said before, whatever decisions are made from a cognitive perspective, should go through a proper process. Uh, should be very clear criteria on who we're looking for and what we want, uh, and then we, you know, obviously try and fill as close to that criteria as possible. Uh, and then just get get cracking on this review as quickly and as swiftly as possible. Uh, mm. If there are this hard decisions that needs to be made, uh, i.e., you know, uh, Mr. Campbell is told, uh, "Sorry, mate. Uh, thank you, but no, thank you anymore." Uh, if that's so, so if that's to be the case, then so be it. Um, but make action, make change, be quick, get people back on the same space, get a very clear vision and, and, a, and a clear uh, driving lane, so to speak, or race plan, uh, and, and hit it. Um, you know, and, and I think, well, what it sounds like, this club is rooted with a quote unquote uh, boys club. Uh, mentality, or it's got a bit about that because there is such history in, uh, or history and culture and blah, blah, blah. And with that comes a bit of a who's who and uh, the history that comes along with them. Um, yeah, we just probably, maybe need to get a bit away from that and say it's bigger than any one person. Uh, it's about the Essendon here and now rather than about the Essendon of 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So that's what I'll be doing. But nothing nothing too uh, untoward, but just, just get on with it. And uh, push the bloody reset button and uh, build back better. Do you know, in, in all this darkness, and, and we're going to wrap up in, in just a moment, listener, but um, in all this darkness, one thing gave me a little bit of a smile. And there was a question at the press conference yesterday, and they said, how do you think that uh, Rutten's payout will affect the soft cap? And Xavier Campbell essentially said, mate... We have so much money, that's not even a problem. Um, it's not his words, but essentially it was like, mate, we're the Essendon Football Club. We can pay the tax to the AFL, no worries. And that's the one thing that deep down underneath all this mess, we are still a wealthy, financially stable, huge membership club. We're, we are absolutely a sleeping giant. We need some guidance and we need a reset but the core when you drill down right to the core there is still a strong club there and it's just about getting that to express on the outside but is that so, is that part of the issue that sort of no, no it's it's not there's there is bad arrogance and there is we 
we're stable. We have money. We that's not the issue. The issue is is things that can be fixed. When you're a club like North Melbourne and you're waiting for handouts, you don't have resources to be able to make these decisions. So that ties your hands. And it was just a it was it's hard to describe, but there was just a, a bit of like, you know what, we're not worried about six hundred grand to the AFL. We've no, got- but I don't know, because I was just reading an article that spoke about um, one of Wush's last press conferences in basically in which he said, like, I was just reading it, can't find it, but um, paraphrasing that, you know, Essendon has this, like, perception that success is owed to them because they're one of the big four. But unless you fix the issues that are on the inside and actually put in the work, there's no reason to think that you're going to get that success before anyone else is going to get it. No, and I and I think that's the the signs that we're seeing is that they're doing the review, they're mm. doing the external review, they're doing um, all those things that they need to. Mm. So, um, thanks for listening to us for this whole season, listeners. Um, you know, it, it's been a tough one, but we do it for you. Uh, so thank you for coming on this journey. Uh, as opposed to last off season, I will not be having a baby, so uh, not yet. Expect, be be uh, not careful. Yet. Um, well, I won't be having one in October, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so when they do announce the new coach, I'm sure we'll do an episode, whether that's a quick one or a long one, and have a chat about it. And certainly, the plan is to do it after trade week as well, um, and have a chat about how that's going. And then, obviously, we'll kick on with the season preview as we get closer to the start of the year. Um, have you guys got any final thoughts before we move on? I think just a, uh, a kudos to you, Nick. Obviously, you steer the ship of the podcast every week. You never know who's going to come on, um, but uh, unless someone does, but uh, you're always here. Uh, you're, the, you're the main man. You're the face of the brand. Um, so, well, well done for that. And then I think also too, uh, Daniela does a lot of work behind the scenes on the socials and. Uh, keeps keeps uh, our followers very very updated and uh, just does a she does fantastic, an excellent job actually. She does a fantastic job. It's really really good uh, and obviously for no other um, motivation than the fact that she just loves it. So um, yeah, and then of course our uh, our listeners. It, it uh, you know we're three very run of the mill members. We're just like everyone else. We're what with or for whatever however many members we've got on this show of the 85,000 who just want to see some success and we're just as frustrated and uh, nothing like, like everyone else. So uh, thank you for listening along and, uh, you know, uh, see how, although it's only probably marginal from, from last year, it's still, well, that doesn't make any sense what I was about to say there, but, you know, some significant growth. It's marginal week to week, but uh, some significant growth from this time last year. So and that's mm. from, from other people's support. So a uh, big thank you to them. I think, I think that's uh, that should cover most, I think, Nick. Mm. So, as always, team, find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, follow us on Podbean, wherever you listen to good podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all of that. Whatever and, platform uh, you're listening on at the moment, keep that's listening. Right. That's right. Uh, you know, <laughs> when Roberto De La Sasho came on to this show... <laughs> It actually made sense for him to say that because we weren't on his podcast. And so by saying, where can you find us on the platform you're listening on? It actually makes sense. When you say it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
they're already listening to our podcast on that platform. So they don't but that's need what to he means. If they're, if they're listening, they don't need to find us because they've already found us on the platform that they're listening to us on. That's true. It doesn't true. take a genius to work out. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Laura. For uh, I'm not sure how Nicholas missed that one, but uh, got on you for yeah. So it sounds like I'm attacking you, Laura. I'm not. I'm attacking Nick there. Gotcha. So thank you, thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Laura, for uh, joining me through this dreadful, dreadful season. Thank you, Lord Jeebus, that it is over. <laughs> and. Until next time, go Dom. Go Bombers. <laughs>